Here it is, part two with Aubrey Monroe. If you guys did not tune in to last week's episode, please press pause, go check it out. It was so, so good. We talked about just getting to know Aubrey and how much of an impact her mom made on her life and also what it was kind of like growing up in the game and being the smallest one on the team, but the one that fought the hardest. So this week, you guys can look forward to her talking about the important role of being a catcher. So I never caught before. So my questions are really just about what do catchers think? What do the best catchers think about? What do the roles of a catcher look like? I mean, I think I know what catchers do, but when she was describing her mom and how her mom would praise her for things that nobody else saw, I was surprised by the things that her mom was seeing that I never really realized a catcher was also doing. She also really gets into this episode on her church of the dirt. So her faith is something that got her through one of the biggest ruts she's ever had in her career. And she's going to dive into that today with you guys. And it is super powerful. And then her five to thrive questions might be my favorite answers because of how thoughtful they were. And she goes really, really far and deep with who her biggest role model was growing up. So without further ado, here is part two of the two-part series with... Aubrey Monroe. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well, but now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just gonna dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm gonna have some of the best softball players Some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are going to be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner, so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive. And that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us. Learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. So you talk about roles a lot for catching. So your role, like, and I know you like talking about it. So when it comes down to the role of a catcher, probably the most selfless on the field. And I'm, I'm assuming this is probably why you love catching as much as you do. So like, what is it about the role of a catcher that just lights you up? So many things, but you're right. It's about being selfless. And I think that's something that is a little bit innately who I am, but also just how I was raised. I mentioned that my mom was a pitcher, so I knew what it took to be a catcher. You know, I knew I was told I started catching at six years old, really was loving it by the time I was eight 
And my mom, I remember my mom telling me, if you want a pat on the back, you pick the wrong position. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? She goes, nobody cares about the catcher. Like they're not going to notice what you do. And so that seems harsh coming from my mom, but it was as a coach, it was everything I needed. And then as a parent, my mom took like extra notice because she mm. knows nobody else is going to know it. My teammates have no idea. Sometimes to this day, everything that is going on in my head during a game and how I am expending energy throughout the game. And so it's, but my mom does, you know, my yeah. mom does. And so my mom's always been really good at kind of like, like I said, just noticing and being the one to let me know like, Hey, that was great. Cause she knew that nobody else very rarely was going to say anything about it because outside of throwing people out, like blocking sometimes like pitchers. Oh my gosh. Pitchers that, shout their catcher out when they block a ball even if it's just a point like hey great job I'm like you guys are my people like thank you mm. for noticing because everything like the role of the catcher literally in my opinion is whatever your team needs you to be particularly your pitcher figure out a way to be that while maintaining who you are like I don't and that's been a journey that I've been on especially the last few years of like okay this pitcher needs this for me but how do I do that as Aubrey Cause I've done it the other way where I'm like, she needs me to do this. Da, da, da. And then I'm all of a sudden I'm not doing, I'm not doing what I do. Well, I'm not being the person that is unique and like bringing what I bring as Aubrey, like the, the intangibles about me that make me great at what I do. I say like being what they need you to be while maintaining who you are. That's been like the newest aspect of this, because I just think it's important that we don't lose ourselves in the process. And that's all part of, just human interaction and getting to know people and the ebb and flow of being with teammates and figuring out how to work together. But I just love, I love that I see everything behind the plate. I love that everybody sees me, you know, that I love the responsibility that comes with everybody seeing me. That whole no yeah. bad days concept is like magnified because if I have bad body language, everybody sees it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not so like vain to think like, oh, if I have bad body language, everybody's going to tank. No, that's not it. But it's like, but the difference in seeing someone confident back there, the difference, like that matters. It's not so yeah. much like, oh, my bad body language is going to just like infect the whole team. That's not really true. But good body language could really affect them. Especially, changes the energy. Yeah. Yes. And so like, I think of really tight games, like um, in 2018, we were in Japan playing Team Japan for the gold medal at Worlds. We had just qualified for the Olympics. And so we're just like on a high. We're so excited, but we want that gold. We want that 2018 gold medal. And this game goes into extra innings. It's back and forth. It's back and forth. It was one of the most fun games of my entire career. And it was so intense. And I remember like huge crowd because Japan, man, they love their baseball and softball. So they show up. And so this awesome atmosphere and we're in like the ninth, 10th inning. We've been going back and forth and we play international tiebreaker on like college. We start with that runner on second. And so it's like, I just remember feeling like I have to show up every pitch. I have to be on every single pitch. And so it was a really good lesson for me in staying, in staying present because we had gotten the lead and like maybe the thing or something. And so I got, I got in that bad habit of, okay, three more outs, three more outs or whatever, however many outs it was kind of getting ahead of myself. And then we gave up a home run and we lost the lead. Mm. And I was like, for the next like three hitters, I just kept seeing that pitch come in. And it was like, oh my gosh. So I had to literally every pitch, 
I had to remind myself this pitch, Aubrey, this pitch, because my team needs me. My pitchers need me to be present. And so kind of like that inner battle of that and with those emotions. And we end up winning in a walk-off and it was just like the coolest, coolest game ever. Like I have chills just talking about it right now, but it's just like, I remember after that game, cause it literally all our pitchers threw, it was just like, throw the kitchen sink at him. And <laughs> I remember Monica coming up to me and that was our first summer playing together. And we had really kind of been through it, mm-hmm. getting to know each other and really trying to figure each other out. And it was a good challenge. And I remember her coming up to me and being like, we were just so happy and like we hugged and it was just this cool moment of being like, like we did it. Like, how did we, we had a super short schedule that summer and it was like, how did we get to know each other? How did we get that groove going? Like, that's the stuff that I really love. I love when it clicks with a pitcher and you get in that like just fun flow with pitch calling. Cause I call pitches with team USA. So I didn't do that in college. And so last four years have been a journey of figuring out how to set hitters up really effectively and just learning that aspect, which I've learned to love a lot more. It's exhausting at the end of a game, mm-hmm. but really enjoying that. And then Kaylani, who had been a total stud, like just kind of coming in and shoving that game. She came up to me after the game and she was like, we're just congratulating each other. We're hugging. Everyone's like having a blast. And she goes, you were our rock back there. You like, I, it was incredible. And I would just remember feeling like that's, that's what it's all about. That's why I, like, and it's not going to happen all the time. Not everyone's going to notice, but when they do, gosh, it feels so good. Like, mm. you know, like that's, that's why I pour my heart and soul into this position. Sometimes, sometimes to a fault. Sometimes it's like, Aubrey, stop caring so much right now. Like you need to chill. It's like, it's sucking the life out of you at times. Like I have to manage that feeling sometimes. Yeah. But it's like, this is why I pour my heart and soul into getting to my pitchers. This is why I pour my heart and soul into every single pitch because what pitchers and pitchers' parents, I'm going to talk to the parents here, you guys don't always realize that like, we're in every pitch with you. Good catchers are in every single pitch with you. They feel it like they threw it, you know? And so I think sometimes the misconception is that catchers are just back there, like, yeah, they help, they, you know. It's this problem with the perception of the position that, like, yeah, not that you don't matter, but you're not quite as important you know, mm. or you're not as invested as I am. And it's like, no, the way that I catch, I'm a pitcher's catcher. The way that I catch, I am so invested. And I know if you throw a perfect game, nobody's really going to give me a nod. But on the flip side of that, to give pitchers credit, like when they tank, they don't usually talk about the catcher either. So pitching has its own pressures. Okay, right. Pitchers are special and unique and a different breed, but so are catchers. And so I've been really, really passionate the last like year and a half to two years. I'm just trying to get catchers to understand how important they are because we don't get a lot of acknowledgement. And so you have to, it's this balance between serving your team, serving your pitchers with a humble heart, because that's kind of what's required of you, but also being really confident in what you bring, that you can be a game changer with how you receive getting strikes for your pitchers is like the most underrated thing about a catcher ever. And it's like, I just stretched the zone like six inches. Now you don't even have to throw over the plate. We are winning. And I know hitters hate that, but it's like, that's my job. Yeah. If I can take a hitter out of their approach that we're winning, you know? So I just, 
I don't know. I'm, you can tell I'm super passionate about it. I just want Love it. to know that you can change a game. You can stop the momentum by throwing somebody out. The other, in a close game, somebody gets a runner on first and they're going to push to get in a scoring position and you throw her out. Are you kidding me? Like that's huge. Mm-hmm. Being able to know your pitcher well enough to get her to chill out and be like, no, no, hang on. This is who you are. This is what you're good at. This is what we're going to do. Getting your pitcher back on track is so important and can absolutely change a game. So I don't know, just because we don't get a lot of love and it's like catching wasn't cool when I was a kid. I was the only one who was like, oh, catching. Nobody else liked to catch. Everyone else thought it was too hot and too much work. Just nobody liked it. And I was like, I eat up. And I think that's one of the things that I've, when I think about the hard times in my career or the times that I didn't think I was going to make it, that I never thought, that I didn't think Team USA was going to, like ever going to call on me, you know, I'd, I'd won national championships and I'm like, I'm just not what they're looking for, you know, in those moments of doubt, um, even with Team USA, because that process is just brutal every year trying out. Yeah. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, you know, yeah. those moments of doubt, I just really have leaned on. Like, I feel like God gave me a love for this game and it has been channeled through catching. And so that love is what has really gotten me through any of the hard times. Like any moment that I felt totally knocked down and there have been many moments of like, it's not going to happen. I'm not good enough. I'm, I don't belong here. Like I've had so many moments like that in my career, but I've had so many other moments that were the opposite, like just mountaintop experiences or just little, little blips of like, no, no, Aubrey, this is why you do this because you love it. And because Mm. Like, and because of what you bring, like, I, right. I don't know. I was, I was raised to be really humble. And sometimes it's been a problem for me because I haven't acknowledged what I'm good at and what I bring in the last, honestly, since probably my senior year of college, um, allowing myself to look at what I bring and being like, no, I think I'm a game changer. I think I bring something special and not to be cocky, not that other people don't bring their own special flair or whatever but like no I think I make a difference in owning that and so I don't know it's it's been a cool journey it's something that I'm actually really proud of and something I like about myself now and it's been a lot of just like maturity I think just growing up and since college and getting to know myself better man there's so much I want to unpack because that was so good but (laughs) I feel like I'm like monologuing sometimes (laughs) well you know that's where like a part of me wants to ask a question and I'm just like no because like the next best sentence is about to come out of her mouth because she's just like in her flow right now this is like this is like your big stage like you're like playing the game right now to me I love it but there is one thing that you said that I really I really enjoyed was the fact that you have just like this gift of making a pitcher feel like she's not in it by herself. Mm. And I think some catchers get to the, and they don't intentionally do this, but they get Mm. to the selfish moment of themselves of, oh my gosh, a ball just went through my legs. Right. But if you let that, if people see that, that like that made you upset, just think about what your pitcher is now thinking. Right. Like I just trusted my drop ball right there and like you didn't stop it, which is like, most pitchers are probably a little more forgiving than you think. Right. Like if a ball goes through your legs, like, and you're a competitor, you're going to know that next time that happens, like you're ready because you're not going to let that happen again. But as soon as you let a pitcher know that like you're a team, like they talk about the battery, Mm -hmm. like pitchers and catchers, like 
the fact that you can make a pitcher feel comfortable and you can literally throw out a little bit of your mom there and you said, this is what you're good at. Like that is powerful. Like if you can tell a pitcher like, Hey, this is what you're great at. Like, let's rock it. Mm -hmm. There's so much confidence that like, it's just thrown at that pitcher and she has no choice other than to feel good. Yes. Right. Like when you throw compliments at people which you're very good at. (laughs) But I think that's so cool that you're having like Monica and Kehlani like realize those things in you. And I, and I want to ask you this question because I think parents and coaches are probably like, well, your mom sees the little things that nobody else does. What are some of those little things that like she pulls out that nobody else sees? I mean, my mom was the type to sit behind home plate a lot, which was good and sometimes terrible because if I messed up, I literally hear her go, oh, Aubrey. And I would turn around like, mom, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> my dad did um, the same thing. Yeah. Um, so she was pretty good about like kind of understanding the zone. So she would, she was always really good about kind of noticing like, Oh, you were, you were framing pretty well today, you know, stuff like that because nobody notices or cares. Sometimes, sometimes the pitchers do, which is awesome. But sometimes they're just like, Oh yeah, that was a great pitch. And you're like, it was a great pitch, but it was a ball. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I got a call to strike. So, cause there's like such a thing as a pitcher's pitch, you know, and that's, that's what we want but it doesn't mean it's a strike and it drives yeah. the hitters crazy. I have talks with Val about it all the time because Val, Valerie Arioto is always like, it's not a strike. I'm like, I know, but it's my job to make it a strike. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, you know, that kind of game within the game. And then obviously always being hyped up for throwdowns um, and then just keeping a pulse on the game, like paying attention to, oh, you were struggling, but you called a timeout and went to go talk to her. And mm. she looked more comfortable after You know, I think that's a big one that nobody really thinks about. The timing of a timeout is so important, you know, and that when you're young, you're kind of like, should I, shouldn't I, I don't, I don't know if I can, but when you do, and you just take, sometimes it's just going out there and this goes to understanding your pitchers. Like I mentioned Delaney, who I, I caught in high school, we were on the same travel ball team and she's one of, I, she's my absolute favorite pitcher of all time, just because I just loved, we had so much fun. You know, we were very similar in the way we competed. And I loved, loved throwing three changeups in a row to people. It was like, I'd call oh. it, I'd call that I remember these with a smile yeah. on my face. And she would be like fighting the smile because she's trying to look <laughs> serious. That's so great. Oh, it was the best. But Delaney, it would be like, I knew her so well that I could go out and call time out and be like, hey, you're just cutting yourself off a little bit or keep it. I would just keep it light with her, see how she was doing. Lauren Hager, on the other hand, she needed kind of like what you were talking about with your pitcher when you would be at first, she needed something like a joke. I'd go out to Lauren and I'd be like, girl, you're looking good in those pants, man. You look so good. (laughs) You know, like get something completely non-softball related out Mm -hmm. of her head or like, oh, I heard post game is, you know, this, whatever, this meal, just something stupid that has no relevance really to the game. And then Alicia Ocasio, who is like one of the most freak athletes I've ever met in my life. She's so talented she sometimes needed a kick in the butt, especially in college because she was younger. Now I had the pleasure and I say pleasure very intentionally because I got to play with her and actually she was my captain for two of the weeks in AU. And I was like, mm. I feel like I've watched my kids grow up because <laughs> to see Lily so mature and just so like just commanding her roles and being really honest with herself about like when she was pitching great and when she wasn't pitching great was really, really cool. Um, but when we were in college, she was kind of the kind of kind of need a kick in the butt. Like, hey, I would be able to look her in the eye and be like, we need you right now. Like, I need you to get this pitch. And so I just think the importance of a well-timed timeout and understanding your pitchers, that's something that if you're looking for it, you can see. 
So when you're looking for, like when you're trying to give your catcher some praise, like as a parent or a coach, like, hey, that was a great time to call timeout. It affected her in a positive way. Because when you think about it as a coach who's, you know, deciding when to pull, when to put people in, like if they can trust that their catcher's got their pitcher or that they're going to be honest, it's really helpful. Because they're sitting there like, oh, she's starting to struggle. Do I need to get so-and-so ready to go? And that changes your whole plan for the game. It changes your whole plan for the weekend. Like when you just, I start to think about it as a coach, like, okay, we're expecting, we're expecting so-and-so to go five innings today. And, oh, it's the third inning. Now she's struggling. Can she make it another two or do we need to pull her? And now your whole plan is shifted. And that's not a bad thing. It happens. But understanding that, okay, if I can, if I can get her those last two innings, so we can kind of stay on our plan, that matters. So how am I going to get the most out of them? And how am I going to do that? And then being honest with your coaches, I mean, when they can trust you and be like, how's it going? And you can be honest and just be like, it's piped. It's time. You know, or you can be like, no, she's fine. She's good. Like, yeah, they hit it well. Like she missed one, but then they just squared up a good pitch. Just being honest. And that doesn't, your pitcher doesn't always have to be around for that conversation. You can sometimes Mm -hmm. just do it with the coach. Yeah. Uh, Because you do, part of catching is protecting your pitcher's ego a little bit. Mm -hmm. A little bit. But yeah. Yeah, it's I so just good. Think it's important to a well-timed timeout is a good one to notice because usually you can see it in your pitcher's body language whether or mm-hmm. not that helped them. Yeah, and you were mentioning how every pitcher is so different. Like it's almost like you have the role as a coach. You know, like the best coaches are able to coach the athlete into the way that like they need. Mm-hmm. You have to almost understand how everybody ticks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know in college a lot of times you'll see a new pitcher come in and also a new catcher comes in. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty cool to see you as a Team USA catcher. And like you are seeing all the pitchers from all different age groups also. Oh, it's, but also like, yeah. It, it, that part's tough with USA because they all have such different strengths. Yeah. And that's been the fun part about learning about pitch calling and really learning to set people up. But it's kind of funny, like, okay, if I have Monica, who's just gas, you know, and, and then I've, I've had to learn this with like bringing Kaylani in because Kaylani throws hard too. But it's more of a, it's like a different style of hard. Whereas yeah. Monica is just like, don't yeah. want to buy people. So it's kind of, oh, okay. If Kayla on aim, that's different than her coming in. You know, like I have to, maybe we have to call a little bit like different when Kaylani comes in as opposed to when she starts, mm-hmm. you know, and the same, and the same with all the pitchers, you like how they complement each other physically as well is like, that's when the real chess match starts. Uh, I love calling it chess too. Yeah. It's like, but as like the one who lights up about hitting, like you light up about catching, like I love hitting for all of those same reasons. Just like I'm the other person. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this, this duo right here, even though they're like (laughs) pitcher catcher, like they're really good, but you know, I'm better, you know, like that's just like, but like, that's like the, that's the only way you're going to make it happen. It's like, you have to, and it's not an ego. It's not, it's not anything. It's just like knowing that you have what it takes to win this battle. Yes. And, and when you don't, like when the pitcher pipes it or when like you call a bad pitch, like that's just where the ownership of knowing, hey, that was me, you know? Like, I think there's a lot of power in saying, hey, we learned not to throw that to her anymore. Like, you're going to make mistakes. Like, I'm sure you're going to be the first one to tell me, like, you make mistakes just as much as anybody in the world. Yes. But like, what makes it different between like a Team USA player versus like somebody who makes a mistake at a younger age? Like, what 
what do you think sets you apart from other people? Like when you make mistakes, like what happens next? Well, specifically as a catcher, like I do not have the luxury of harping on it. Mm-hmm. Like in our sport in general, we don't really have the luxury, but like pitchers and catchers in particular, like I have to be thinking of what the next pitch is going to be. Whether mm-hmm. I just had a pass ball or I threw the ball in a center field or we just gave up a home run on a pitch that I called that now I'm second guessing that call. And like, I don't have the luxury. And again, I, I go, I always go back for me. It always goes back to um, service, like serving my team. And so if I have that at the forefront of my mind, it makes, it's just how I'm wired. Like if I'm thinking of serving my team of being what they need me to be, then it makes it very easy for me to flip the switch to okay, next pitch mentality. Um, because I know if I'm still thinking about the last pitch, the last thing, that error, whatever, if I just struck out with bases loaded, they're not going to get the best version of me. Yeah. And I want them to have the best version of me. That They deserve that. My team deserves that. And so that's more how I look at it. It's a little bit how I'm wired, a little bit how I was raised, um, and just kind of what works for me. We just So my thing usually is I give myself like five seconds. If, if you ever see me, after something happened and I'm just looking down and I'm moving my foot across the dirt really like methodically, I'm probably thinking, are you kidding me? Did you really just do that? That's a joke. What? And I'm kind of like, God, like I'm angry and I'm trying to flesh it out real quick. And then I do this thing I'm doing it and I just like look up and I'm like, okay, let's go. You know? And mm. so I've had to, my mom can see it like through the TV. She's just like, Oh, you seem really mad. <laughs> I'm like, I was mad, but like I said, my team deserves the best version of me. And the best version of me is not thinking about what just happened. They are present thinking of what our next move is. How are we going to react and be proactive for this next pitch? Mm, that's so awesome. And what's so exciting is, so obviously the Olympics coming up, but also watching AU, like mm-hmm. Athletes Unlimited. It was so cool to see a lot of Olympians. So mm-hmm. a lot of, for not just USA, but Mexico, Italy, I know I'm missing other Canada, other country, Canada, yeah, biggest, it. huge one. But like seeing all of you guys like do that, like ha- ha- make your own mistakes. Like, right. Like everybody went through this league making at least one mistake, oh, yeah. but like seeing the best of the best and how they react to it, I think is super powerful as, as a viewer. So, you know, people could probably go watch, you know, an Athletes Unlimited game and like see that and be like, oh, like she gets mad just like everybody else, but like she doesn't show it, you know, like that's her version of showing Mm -hmm. it, you know? So I think it's really powerful to know that, you know, even the best of the best, like when they go all out at something, like they're not going to be perfect. So why, why do we sometimes expect ourselves to be perfect? I don't know. But, you know, what was your favorite part of playing in AU? I have to you ask. Know, AU was a really interesting experience. It was, mm. I don't know, it's a, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the opportunity. One, it was like, I've been missing softball. I've been missing my teammates. And I just had six weeks of nothing but softball and playing with my teammates and seeing friends that I've played against and with and over the years. And so it was so much fun to just like have that kind of time because that's not something we usually get. And considering what this year was supposed to be, it was like, oh my gosh, this is like everything I needed. Yeah. Um, it was Got challenging. Your fix. Yes. <laughs> it was really challenging though, like kind of getting used to that system. It's a very offensive system. Like you don't, there's no defensive points, which I'm like, I knew that going in and I was like, okay, I got to chill because I'm a defensive player for the most part. Like I can right. hit, but I'm not like, 
that's not what I, that's not my jam. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I'm always kind of grinding for that. And I knew that going in and I got a couple weeks in and I'm like, I'm not chill. I'm not being chill about this. Like <laughs> it was just different, but I did enjoy it and I would totally do it again. It was a great challenge, especially this year. I feel like it challenged me in other ways of just like, okay, this is what I needed. This is, I needed some of this stuff exposed in me so that I can be better for 2021 now. And I can be like a better hitter, a better teammate, a better whatever. But I really enjoyed getting to know the people. Like Mm. I, pretty much everybody in that league, like we all knew of each other. There's people I used to play with. I was so excited to get to catch Tuli again. I just, I Mm -hmm. love her. I love catching her. I love working with her. That was one of the things I was most excited about going into the league. And we got to be on the same team for two weeks. And it was like, just so much fun to be able to like, just work with her through stuff. Getting to know a lot of the Team Mexico players, getting to know some of the Canada players. Um, I already knew Steli from Italy, but just like, I don't know, it was fun. Just in such a, we were in a bubble basically. So it was like, like it was like hang out or don't, like, like you can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I really enjoyed getting to know people in a way that I probably never would have. And I was really bummed. Obvi- I mean, obviously I was really bummed when the Olympics got postponed. I was just like not in a really good mood about it. I totally understood why. I mean, I'm not naive to think that it would have been a bad idea to play the Olympics this summer, but <laughs> but I was still like in a bad mood about it. And now after getting to know more Team Mexico players, more Team Canada players, like I just feel like this ex- the experience now is going to be so much richer. Yeah. Which is like this weird kind of backwards blessing of like how I was so bummed, so like not understanding. Cause I never, I wouldn't have played AU if I played the Olympics. Like the schedules were fine, but I was going to be like, I need a break. I am not yep. touching a softball. So yeah. the only reason I played AU is because the Olympics got postponed. And now I feel like it's going to make my Olympic experience richer because I mm-hmm. have these cool relationships with these people I'm going to be playing against. Yeah. So, I, and I if really anything, that's going to make the competition even better. I mean, I know when I'm playing my friends, it's, it's, all out like oh yeah you're going down like we've yeah. we've competed with each other and against each other and now it's like hey this is the olympics mm-hmm. and i know somebody on pretty much every team now so it's yeah. like like it's gonna be such heightened competition i just am licking my chops to like watch this it's gonna summer. be awesome and it's gonna be crazy because it's only six games i know it's so wild you play everybody once and then the two best records play for gold crazy it's just it's crazy you gotta show up you gotta show up ready every day Hey guys, one of my goals for 2021 is to have more listeners of the When the Cleats Come Off podcast. And honestly, there's only so much I can do on my end. So selfishly, I'm going to ask you to leave a review. And here's the reason why. I want people like you to be impacted by these conversations that I have with athletes like Delaney and athletes like Caitlin Lowe and just learn how to be better in this game as parents, coaches, and some athletes that hang out on here. So in order to get more people like you to listen to this podcast and to be inspired by these conversations, I'm going to need your help. So again, this is kind of selfish, but I'm not ashamed to ask because I know these messages should and need to be heard by more people. So as long as you feel like these conversations are truly helping you think and act maybe differently in this game for the better, please leave a review. And if you don't feel like leaving one, just rate the podcast or even just share it with your internal tribe. 
the more people, like I said, that listen to this, the more people are gonna be impacted by this beautiful game in the most beautiful way and truly have their athletes be more inspired to become a better version of them. So that's my short spiel and I'm sticking to it, but thank you so much for listening to this episode with Delaney. I hope you're finding so much value in it. I learned a ton from it too. So without further ado, let's head back to the episode. Okay. So I've taken up a ton of your time. I'm already thinking about... I know. I'm already thinking about, we're probably gonna have to split this into two episodes because like we had like one conversation and then just like, just catching it's just, there's so much beauty in it. There's so many things I don't know about it. Mm. And I was like, this is why I really need to ask Aubrey all these questions. So that, is there anything else? I know you talked about how as a catcher, like you don't really love lessons. Like you were yeah. talking about this before. Tell me, I can't even remember what it is that you wanted to focus on, but like, just, is it you performing the lesson or are you giving lessons? Like what? It's, I enjoy teaching and I enjoy talking catching, if you couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> it's more like, I don't know. Like I like lessons and I've got good, I've got, I've had some good kids over the years that they're just like really fun to work with. Um, right, right. It's more that like for a while when I first started doing lessons, it was like, I know what I love about this position. How am I going to articulate this to people, you know, Mm. and how do I, so it's been kind of a journey of figuring out like, how do I want to articulate these things? How do I manage the, like pushing them, challenging them, like getting them to understand, like you have to work harder than everybody else. You have to get this skill if you're going to be great. And then also like, giving them the grace. Like I tell my kids all the time, like anybody who tells you that blocking isn't hard, doesn't know anything. I'm like, <laughs> like, what do you mean? And I'm just like, like people are, your coaches are going to be mad at you if you don't block the ball. It's, it's going to happen. Like, but mm-hmm. like for me, the mental aspect of blocking is the hardest part. It's not the physical getting yourself in the position. It's not, it's, and this is my spiel for blocking. I'll just give it to you. And hopefully some kid out there is going to hear it or some parent or coach is going to realize it and have some grace for their catchers. Because it's like, at what point in our lives when something is coming at us, do we not get out of the way? Right. Like if something's coming at me, I'm going to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, outside of like softball, we're taught to catch it. But like, okay, what if I don't have a glove on? Because we're not, blocking isn't about catching the ball. It's about literally giving up your body. Yes, And so I give this spiel to kids and they're like, oh, I'm like, look, I'm here to tell you that this is hard, but you have to get over it and you have to do it anyway, mm-hmm. you know, but like having some grace for kids that are learning how to block because parents, I have so many parents who are like, my kid won't block in a game. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's a process. Like it takes a long time to make it muscle memory because it's literally giving your body up. Yeah. And I know we're wearing gear and if you do it right, it shouldn't hurt. But even if you do it right, Sometimes you'll get hit in the forearm and it'll hurt like all get out. And you're like, Gah. but wearing it in the arm doesn't hurt as bad as giving up the game winning run on a pass ball, mm. in my opinion. So Word. It's, it's this delicate balance of like, this is hard. People are going to yell at you anyway, but it's hard. And I want to acknowledge, I want to tell you, I want to, I want you to hear it from someone who's done it for a long time. But this is like the mental aspect of blocking is the hardest part because everything in us is telling us, nope no, no, no. And we're having to fight that. Like this yeah. human element, of it. but it's that's why, the job and you got to yeah. do it. That's why taking pitches is always hard for people. Like when people are yelling, wear it, wear it. 
Well, here's the deal. If you haven't worn many pitches, you're going to want to back up because you know it might hurt. Yes. Right? Yes. So it takes like some sort of a, you're, you're literally like fighting the human brain. Yes. At that point. Absolutely. And say, same thing with catchers. So like that's that's really interesting. So you're saying like most catchers that are exposed to this type of a mentality are kind of timid or did I sign up for the right thing? Oh, Is yeah. Is that what you're dealing with? Yeah. Yeah. Or it's just, it's just like, it, it's just hard. Like you're, yeah. I'm having to tell like a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old, stay there, stop flinching. You know, but right. I understand why you're flinching, you know, or, right. but the reality is if you flinch, you might get hurt more in a like exposed yeah. place like your side or your neck or like, it's just a balance of acknowledging that what you're doing is hard and we're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. It's getting, cause catching is different. Not everyone's built for it. And I don't mean that in a I wasn't. discouraging way. Yeah. I was not built for catching. I, I caught, oh, you're going to laugh at me so much. No. I, I was exposed to catching. It was like an all-star game. So, you know, like best players are thrown here, but you know, some positions are all taken. They're mm-hmm. like, everybody's going to play everything. They're like, Ashley, go catch. I'm like, I've never done this. So same thing with you. Like, I'm like, anybody have any gear? Like, right. I don't, I don't know how to wear this, but I remember the first ball came to me and I like blinked as it was coming and I, and I didn't catch it. Like I didn't come close to catching it. I was in there for one inning and I was like, this isn't for me. No, thanks. Just so like you no, were in reality. that and you, yeah, you were in that same position. You were like, oh, this is for me. Like I <laughs> love this. And I was like, Mm-mm, other way. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, but seriously, like yeah. I just feel like catchers are just different and it's not, and just like, there's people who are like, I could never play the outfield. Like diving scares me. Or there's outfielders who are like, Ugh, I don't mess around with the dirt. Like it's, everybody's got their thing, but it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just getting, it's hard to get young kids to wrap their mind around serving your teammates in a lot of ways. And it's tough to get young kids to wrap their minds around. Like your body is not totally your own at this point. Your body is just like, you're just giving it up. And you're going to wear it and it's going to be okay. And you're going to feel really tough sometimes. And you're going to act like it didn't hurt and then come back to the dugout and be like, Oh my gosh, that hurts so bad. <laughs> yep. So it's, I don't know. It's just unique with younger kids, you know, but when I get kids that love it, I'm like, let's go, let's work forever. Hey, can we talk about church on the dirt for a second? Of course. Yeah. Or many seconds. I already decided this is going to be a two part episode. We're at okay. the point where I'm like, yeah, I mean, we've let's been talking for a long, but, but there's just so many great things that I know you're very passionate about. And mm-hmm. I would be doing the audience a disservice if we didn't just learn all the things about Aubrey that make her who she is. But your devotion to Jesus Christ is massive. Like, mm-hmm. and your personality shows it. Just you as a teammate shows it. I never had you as a teammate, but like, all the other people in this world that talk about you are like, I love Aubrey. Aww, and, that and, makes and me I, so happy. <laughs> oh, I can give you names. I can give you a long <laughs> list. Even my sister, who worked at one of your camps at one point in time, was just like, she was so, great. so great. <laughs> but but it's it's not a coincidence. I feel like just your devotion to becoming a better human and knowing that this world isn't ours and just the way you speak about God and, and Jesus and just your your whole story. You don't have to explain your entire story of, you know, because I've heard it on other podcasts, but oh. I think I heard it on, um, was it Sam's podcast? Oh, or yeah. We did talk Sam about Sam Fisher's, I think maybe, but there was another one potentially. I'm going to have to look this up and put it in the show notes. But 
Can you just share how important that aspect of your life is and maybe how that became? Yeah. I mentioned a little bit earlier when I was talking about my whole softball journey that I struggled Mm -hmm. a lot my freshman year. And that is a large part because I didn't really know who I was. Um, My identity struggled a lot because I was not performing the way that I had expected myself to perform at Florida. I had these high hopes of I'm going to be an impact player. I'm going to get to college and Tim Walton is going to make me a great hitter overnight, which is in hindsight stupid. But at the time I was like, I'll be great. It's all good. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I spent most of that year struggling, not feeling strong enough, not understanding why I'm being told I'm the, one of the best defensive catchers in the country, but not really getting any innings or any opportunities. And in the moment, I was getting just like so frustrated and I didn't know who I was. And then I would get opportunities and I would do things that I never do, like drop pop-ups. I had more pass balls in my first weekend as a Gator than I had my whole three years of travel ball before that. Wow. So I'm like... The things that I'm, okay, whatever, if I'm not hitting great, but like, this is what I do, this is who I am. And then I really struggled with like, do I belong here? I had been a Christian my whole life. Um, We went to church when I was a kid, but we were kind of like your typical sports family that when I have an older sister and then I have a really big gap between my younger siblings. So they were like, I'm 11 years older than my sisters, 13 years older than my brother. So it was like, we're running around all the time doing all sorts of stuff. Like if we have a free weekend, we're not going to church, you know, we're tired. And so... I wasn't in church a lot in high school, but through that whole crashing the practice thing and just watching how my story unfolded, you know, ending up at Florida, I was really starting to feel like a stirring in me that was like, okay, something's at work here. Okay. Something is happening. Like there's no way that all this stuff lines up. So I, like I said, I identified as a Christian, but I didn't really have a personal relationship with Jesus at that time but something was stirring in me. And so I was really lucky to have some, have a really cool senior, my freshman year, Ensley Gamble, now Dent, who she, her role had changed a lot in college, but she had found Christ in college as well. And she just kind of like took me under her wing. And I was going to, I started going to some Bible studies. Her and her boyfriend would pick me up and take me to church with them. as like from my dorm, you know, mm-hmm. and we could. And I just really was growing a lot in my faith that year through this struggle. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I was hitting on the off day. And this is the part I tell people all the time because it's it's sort of funny. But I was hitting on the off day and because I was raised to work hard. If I'm struggling, like you got to put in the work. And also if Coach Walton asked me, I didn't want to lie. So <laughs> I was just like hitting and then nothing felt good. It was just kind of that place where you're like, this doesn't even feel like my body. This is pointless. I'm over this. And I started walking. I picked everything up. I went back to the locker room and I started crying on the way to the locker room. And I just was like, I finally just kind of like gave it up. I was like, okay, God, I can't do this anymore. Take over. My life is yours. Like I've been trying everything and nothing's working. And I was crying. But through that moment, it was the first time all year at Florida that I felt like I could take a deep breath. Wow. Yeah. Like in that kind of like truly like a broken Mm -hmm. feeling Mm -hmm. like, whoa, I can take a deep breath. And like, not, it's not like everything turned around and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm playing great now. <laughs> like, no, I just, it freed me up and made me stop caring so much what Coach Walton thought and, you know, stop putting these expectations on myself. I was able to like leave the field and just be like, okay, so I've got a lot more purpose than just playing softball. I think part of it was being out of state. Like I grew up in California and so going to Florida, like I chose Florida for softball. So I kind of weirdly subconsciously got in my head that, 
Like I'm here to play softball. And if I'm not doing that well, like I don't have purpose. And so through that, I just sort of, I started seeing some changes in myself to make stuff count. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm struggling. I'm not playing great, but in my failure, I have an opportunity to be a good teammate. I have an opportunity to still be positive. I have an opportunity to show people that my identity is not in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying that as someone who loves the game. Like I love the game. I love seeing it played well. I love playing it well. Like, but I just feel like I had a real big lesson in identity that year in a very like dramatic way for me. And so kind of just carrying that through the rest of my career, it affected how I wanted other freshmen to come in. So I was able to use my experience as like, okay, it's okay. Like if you're struggling, don't worry about it. You know, because nobody, that's the funny thing about my career is like nobody thinks of my freshman year except for like my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because my mom was the one I was calling in tears. Like, mom, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Like I, I'm t- I tell myself to stop caring and then I get in the game and I make a mistake and I spiral again. And just feeling like so out of control. And through that, my mom, she, she, she knows me really well. She knew I needed to at least have the opportunity to have an out. Like that I needed to not feel trapped. And so she asked me on several occasions, like, do you think you want to transfer? And I was just like, I, I mean, I thought about it like hard. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why this isn't where I belong. And I mean, I committed as a sophomore. It felt right. And at the time that was early and like May of my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, maybe I decided too soon. Maybe I was too young. I don't know. I was just doubting literally everything. Yeah. And I remember, like, I don't know. I'm not going to say it was like the voice of God because it wasn't like an audible thing. But I just remember every time my mom would ask, every time I would feel like I don't belong, there would be this weird, like, internal thought of, no, you belong here. This is where you're supposed to be. And just kind of clinging to that really helps me. And also, if I'm totally honest, the idea of starting over somewhere else seemed absolutely miserable. <laughs> it's like, maybe I'll just stick it out here for four years, even if I'm miserable. Yeah. And I just because of my comfort zone type of person. And so it was a combination of those two things. But I said earlier, I went home that summer and I hit every single day in the backyard with my dad. It's like, I am never letting my offense keep me out of the game again. Like, I will not let that happen. And through that, it was a really cool summer with my dad. But it was the first time, if I'm really honest, that I took ownership of my swing, that I got a plan together, which some people are like, that's crazy. How could you get to college without really knowing your swing? And it's like, I just, I, I, my value was as a catcher. And I always figured out a way to get it done, you know, but yeah. it wasn't like a, this is what I want to do. This is the type of hitter I am. It was just kind of like, oh, I just figured it out. Mm-hmm. And so I, and my value as a catcher was always just important. And we had enough big hitters on the team to kind of make it not a big deal that I wasn't. <laughs> and that's how I thought it was going to be at college. And we had a crazy year. It happened before we had lost a lot of players. So it was like, we didn't, I didn't have that luxury. We needed more hitters in the lineup and I wasn't cutting it. And so through that though, I just really found my identity in Christ and was able to carry that through the rest of my college career. And it impacted how I wanted other people to feel because I'm a relatively private person when I'm going through stuff. And so nobody knew how much I was like hurting and struggling Mm -hmm. except my family. And because the other thing was too, we were winning. Like this is what I can't stress enough to people is that it's like, 
yeah, it sucked for me. Yeah, do I think I was the best catcher on the team? Yeah, but I couldn't hit. Like, I was not doing anything with my opportunities. So, no, I shouldn't have been in the lineup. And we were winning. We, should, we had no business going to the World Series that year. And we found a way because we were scrappy as all get out. But it's like, okay, so I'm going to go to my coach. I'm going to go up to Tim Walton and say, I want more opportunities, even though we just swept Tennessee. We didn't that year, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, we were winning. What do I have to complain about as a team? Right. So it was, I don't know, it was a really hard year for me. But I think back, if I would have transferred, I would have missed out on two championships. I would have definitely missed out on Team USA. Mm-hmm. So it's that voice, that that calm kind of internal thing that is in so many ways, like it's, this is going to sound dramatic, but in so many ways is what saved me and what really kept me on my path. And if I would have left, I would have never met my husband because I met him the following fall. Like it's, I, I'm a really big, I'm really big on reflection. I'm really big on kind of looking back and seeing. And I, for me, I look back and all I see is God's fingerprints on my life. Mm. crashing that practice what the heck was that about you know <laughs> like that's just so random and then you know how I felt when I decided to pick Florida that was not just me you know and then going on to Florida struggling and then all the things that have come from my experience and deciding and choosing the hard path to to get through it like I, I gained so many things from that experience so many things that I use now, so many things that I use in my life and I just see God using. And so it's really important to me, but it's easy for it to be important to me because I look back and all I see is like, none of this is possible without God. Like there's no way that this stuff happens the way that it does so perfectly, all the timing of everything, like just, it blows my mind when I think about it. And so I got in my first summer at Team USA, um, Michelle Moultrie and Janie Reed were like, oh, let's do a Bible study. It was Janie's second year. Michelle's like, seventh I think she's on she's got to be on like year 11 now she's just so incredible didn't she join like the year that the first year that they USA was not in I think so we're pretty close to that I think she I don't know this might be the same timing I'm not totally sure but it was pretty much the year that all the people all the like Olympians that had been playing they all decided to go to the NPF and just kind of like you know channel just kind of try other things really yeah so there were a lot of open spots and mm-hmm. she's been on the team for a decade and it's just yeah. like such a cool leader. I can't say enough good things about Michelle. She's so amazing. Um, but they decided like, Oh, let's do a little Bible study. And I was, I had gotten baptized my senior year and I was like, okay, I want to learn more about the Bible. I want to be in community. And so we, the three of us did Bible study that year <laughs> and Ali Aguilar started joining us. It was just the four of us. And Janie was coaching at Biola, which is a Christian school in La Mirada in California. And so she was like in it, in it. And she was trying to do stuff in the Orange County community. And she started this thing called Church on the Dirt, where she would go out and offer chapels and things like that to people and just started really small, but was kind of struggling to get people to come out to them and to be a part of them. And so she was like, what if we do a camp at Biola and I bring my USA friends (laughs) and they can see what it's about. They do camps with like faith-based workshops stuff like that. And we were all like, let's do it. Let's go. Janie gets the volunteer assistant job at OU. And she's like, if you guys still want to go, you can go, but I won't be there. And all three of us were like, yeah, we want to go. <laughs> so we all That's go. so cool. Yeah. So we all decide to go and we meet Lori Coleman, who was the head coach there. She lives in San Antonio now, but we meet her and she's now like the president of Church on the Dirt. 
she's like our spiritual mother and stuff. She's just so great. She's She keeps us on track, but we met her and it was just like the coolest thing to be a part of. You don't have to choose your dreams and your talents over God. You don't have to choose God over your dreams and talents. Like I've, I've mentioned before, I feel like God gave me a love for this game and he's using this game to give me platform. And so they don't have to be mutually exclusive. And as someone who wasn't in church a lot in high school, and I think that played into my identity struggles in college, um, we just want people to have the opportunity to blend, you know, to, so we go out sometimes it's tough right now because we're playing and competing. And I mean, right now nothing's really happening, but um, we will do chapels to several teams on a Saturday. And then on a Sunday, we'll have a whole church set up kind of like in a tent with chairs and we'll, share a message or just kind of like what we feel like God is teaching us um, on the hour. And the first time we did that was at PGF, which was a really big deal. It was like their big national tournament. And to set up this tent, to get these chairs put together, I was the first, I'm I'm usually the leadoff girl because I have the energy. And then um, I'll go and I'll, I'll get started in the morning. And it was just, I remember looking up and seeing Janie and she had like tears in her eyes. And she was just like, this is what I saw this is how I saw it happening. Like I tried to do it on my own. And then she she just really thinks that like God brought the rest of us to her. So you kind of live out this mission. And so we, it's just been fun. You know, it's been really good for me and my own walk because I have such a new appreciation for sisterhood. Um, Like I, I was never like the softball sister kind of girl because I have a bunch of sisters already. <laughs> like, like I don't, it's just not really my thing. And so mm-hmm. I never really understand like sisterhood in a different way. And it's, I've really been able to experience true sisterhood where you can just be really honest and open about what you're struggling with and know that people are going to be there for you. And that's what we want this younger generation to get. You know, we yeah. want to kind of like live that out in front of them so that they can learn especially you know how it is on teams with girls sometimes it's just straight up nasty like Mm -hmm. people can be mean absolutely and I don't know we just were passionate about blending the two and we don't want people to feel like they have to choose we get a lot of parents that come while their kids are playing because the parents feel it too the parents feel conviction like am I doing the right thing for my kid and you know wanting them to grow so we have an app where we have our podcast and we have some resources it's church on the dirt app you can get that on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Um, we have a podcast on Apple Podcasts where we share some of the messages we've done. We'll record them when we're doing them. And then we also do some different ones throughout. So it's not like a regular podcast. It's just kind of an outlet where you can share messages where we've heard people, like that's what they listen to on the way to the field on Sunday, um, mm-hmm. which is just wild. Oh, we have a devotional journal that we wrote that's on Amazon. And so we're working hopefully on kind of developing more resources now that we have a little more kind of vision for what we want, but we're kind of, we're constantly evolving. We just want to be a resource. You know, we go out to the field and it's, I've heard kids pray for the first time in their lives out there. And I've heard one time we were with like some, I think there were 12 and we were like, all right, we're going to pray. We call it pinky pray. So you join pinkies and if you don't want to pray, you just squeeze and you pass it or mm. so it's very low pressure. Like if you don't want to pray, we're, we're not trying to like make anybody uncomfortable. It's just, if you want to pray, pray. And I think it's really powerful to have your friends hear you pray. Like if you are a confident believer, if you are, you know, if that is a part of your life. Um, and one time we had kids say like, how do we, how do we pray? What do we, what do we say? And it was such a cool opportunity to be able to tell people like, 
God just wants to hear your heart. Mm-hmm. Like, just talk to him like you're like, he's your friend. Like you guys are just hanging out and um, just take the pressure off that. It's been a really cool opportunity and I love doing it. It gives me a lot of purpose. Um, I have a heart for high school and college people, um, especially girls because of that identity stuff. But I don't know. I just have a really big heart for young people in them understanding who they are yeah. and like what God says about them. Yeah. You're shining such a bright light. Like it's mm-hmm. so fun to see. And and you can just sell, like when you talk about it, you glow, you know, it's okay. just like, it's cool because you can see God working through you. And, you know, I'm a believer as well. So like seeing all these things happen and you're transforming the lives of athletes that didn't even realize that this is what they needed, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and my favorite part about it is that like, you're not pushing people to do this. You're just providing <laughs> an opportunity for people to be like, Hey, I'm interested and and they feel welcome. So I think it's so fun. And and I hope I get to like see it in action someday. Like that's a goal of mine, but it's so cool. I'll make sure that all the ways that people can follow church on the dirt, they can see that in the show notes later. This is it. I mean, this was so fun. I I had so much fun with you. I told you I have five quick questions I wanted to ask you before we sign off. But before I do that, I just needed to thank you for for sharing so many of your, you know, own testimonies, especially the most powerful one at the end. That was, it's cool to see how God helped you take all that pressure off your shoulders and just play and mm-hmm. be yourself. It's, it's pretty powerful. So awesome. So are you ready for these last questions that I have? Yes. For you? Okay. Awesome. So the first question I have for you is what's your favorite thing about the game of softball? I love the camaraderie. It's the working towards a goal, the ability to encourage somebody else, and the ability to make somebody feel seen. Like when, if I know someone, like I'll just take outfielders, for example, someone who's been working hard on diving and trying to conquer that fear, and then they finally do it, it fires me up. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, I've seen you work on that for weeks, months, whatever. And to see that, that's the stuff that I love. I love encouraging. Yeah. That's so good. That's why a lot of people coach too. It's like to see all that hard work finally pay off too. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. I love that answer. All right. What is the greatest lesson that your parents taught you? So it could be like multiple things, but what do you think the biggest one was? I have to, because I think everything about who I am and how I play the game boils down to this. I mean, I've, I could gush on my mom for a long time, but the way she taught me to be a good teammate is because that has become the foundation for the way I play the game. She benched mm-hmm. me when I was eight years old because I wasn't being a good teammate. And it just like totally changed my life. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I could say a, a lot of things that I got from my mom, but I just think that the way I've learned to be a good teammate and the value that I've placed on that has not only led to really me getting here because it's, it's, leaked into every part of my game, but it's really made my experiences richer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think more people need to know that, that it's not just you. Like this is, we play a team sport, like their success is your success. And that's the only way we're going to make it anywhere in this game. Mm -hmm. So good. Absolutely. So good. What is one thing that you wish to tell your 12 year old self? (laughs) So many things. Um, For me, I think back a lot to, I always felt really awkward and I always felt, I don't know, not weak because in the moment I didn't feel weak, but I was very self-conscious of other people thinking I was weak. Yeah. So I was like, because people would say I look breakable and I'm like, 
I've never gotten taken out. I've never gotten hurt back here. Like, why would you think that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would tell 12 year old me to learn to love the way I was made. Cause it took me a long time to get there to really yeah. see that like, okay, you're lanky and you're kind of awkward and you're a little goofy, but like, that's kind of what makes you great. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to love those things about myself, but I wish I could have done it younger. I wish I could have seen the value in those things when I was younger. Yeah, man. So much of the same thing is going through my brain right now. Yeah. Like I was so awkward and weird. And when I got really tall, I would like shrink myself in photos. Mm-hmm. Like I was that person that was less like, you know, other people don't like the way I look. And now I'm finally like, if you're going to live your best life, you got to love it. Like you, you got to embrace you it. Do. Yeah. I love that answer. So good. Who was the biggest role model for you growing up? My mom, for sure. I was never really like, I don't know. I, th- I know that fangirling now is like a thing. And that's partially because like social media and we didn't have that. Yeah, I never, I, I just wasn't really the type to want to be all these different people, I guess. Yeah. My mom's been my biggest inspiration for like every phase of my life. But I will say Benji Molina caught for the Angels. I grew up right outside of Anaheim. Mm. He caught for the Angels and he was so nice. I, I'm number one because he was number one. I will say that. But I never, it wasn't from like, oh, look at him catch. Look at him do that. It was just like, he was a catcher. He was number one. I wanted to be number one. And I got his autograph twice in my life. And the first time I was younger, I was like, gosh, I had to be like six. And I got his autograph and my mom was like, oh my gosh, you just made her night. And he was so just gracious. And he was like, just wait till after the game. The fireworks will make her night. Just kind. And then years later, I go back and I want to get his autograph on my new catcher's mitt. And by this time, his brother, um, Jose Molina, not Yachty, um, he was playing with the Angels. And mm. So I had waited to get his autograph for a long time. I was down on the third baseline and I was about to walk away and I was just kind of like standing there and I'm like, "Mm, I want to get his autograph so bad. He looks over at me. He sees me. He tells the camera guy to grab my glove, takes it down in the dugout with him. He signs it. He passes it to his brother and his brother signs it. And then he passes it back and he's like, bye. (gasps) And I was like, I love those people. Mm. He was just. I think about those encounters, like when I'm doing autographs and things like that. And like, yeah. I, I get it. Sometimes autographs, sometimes you're not in the mood or sometimes you're just like, and honestly, sometimes kids are really pushy. If I'm really honest, some kids are like not very nice kids, but in general, it's just like, that can be such an impactful moment for a kid. And yeah. for me, I'm also like, there's going to come a time when nobody cares who I am and nobody's going to want my autograph anyway. So <laughs> let's do it. But yeah, I actually told that story. Lauren Chamberlain posted something and I think he commented on it. I was like, my mind is blown. And now he follows me on Instagram. And like, Benjamin wow. Instagram. He's like, he was the guy, you know? That's so. so crazy. Random story that really didn't answer your question, but. No, you totally did. You said your mom first, which a lot of yes. people, they do choose their parents, which I think that's really powerful and awesome. But there is something that Sue Inquist said on my interview with her about how we need to start making Olympians kind of like softball celebrities. And, and I know you being your humble self is probably like, I don't want to be that like (laughs) whatever. But in reality, I think it is important for young athletes to like have that, that moment like you did with him, Mm -hmm. like in the game of softball. Yeah. Like, so it's like, 
it's a, almost a double-edged sword because like, I know you don't want the praise. You don't do it for the praise, but if anything, I think it is a pretty powerful thing. Like Sue is like, I hope everybody knows who Aubrey Monroe is forever. She's so like, great. I love Sue. She's, she's incredible. But in reality, it's like, it's, it is important to have that because that moment, you know, actually mm-hmm. transformed you to be like on the days where you don't want to give autographs. It's like, oh no, like he did it for me. Right. I'm going to go do it for them. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to like see that come full circle for you. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, before I ask the last question, I need to thank you one more time because this was an absolute blast. This has been officially the longest conversation we've had on the <laughs> pod, but it was, I think every minute was very powerful and, and all of the things that you have to share with the world are amazing. And you're an thank incredible you. light and I'm lucky to call you a friend. Yes. Thank you. I'm so glad we got to do this finally. I, I know I can talk a lot, but I, I think what I love about what you're doing about giving people, particularly people in our sport, like kind of the opportunity to share because I think we have a lot of cool stories in our sport that nobody knows about in you know giving kind of spotlighting those it's really cool so thank you for having me on of course it's been an honor this has been so cool we'll have to do it again yes you can talk about more things catching because I know people are going to eat that up (laughs) I just know they are all right final question for you is what legacy do you want to leave on this game okay twofold I obviously want people to just think catching is so cool. And I want people to understand the value of a catcher. That is one. But my main one is I've always really, okay, this is what I told my mom after my freshman year, I've already described that like that year was brutal and it was very eye-opening to me on some realistic things about myself. I remember going back my sophomore year and I told my mom, I said, mom, I might never be an All-American, which I'm not. I'm not an All-American. So I'm like, I'm the only non-All-American on Team USA. I found that out recently. (laughs) But um, I might never be an All-American, but I'm going to be a fan favorite. And so, and not in a vain way, but just like, I want, I wanted to leave a legacy at Florida of one that was like fun and like happy. And like, I engaged with people and I made, I like, I just like being, on deck at University of Florida, like the, the way the field is set up, like the fans are right there, you know, they right down to that front netting. Mm-hmm. And I remember I'd be on deck and there'd be like little kids in those seats right there. And I would look at them and I'd smile and I'd talk to them a little bit. And just like, I wanted to leave a legacy of just like, I wanted people to kind of know me for who I am. And I wanted that for my teammates too. I wanted my teammates to feel seen. I wanted them to feel like I cared about them. I wanted to be dependable. I wanted my coaches. I wanted the respect of my coaches, um, for things beyond my play. And when I think about that at Florida, cause I was very intentional about it while I was there. And now every time I go back to that stadium, which is beautiful now, they redid it. And I go back to that stadium and I am just like, so floored by the love that I feel there of like, I truly feel like I'm coming home and people make me feel like I'm coming home. And so I feel like that's kind of a product of that. The two times that I felt most loved on a softball field are my senior day at Florida and the night that we played there earlier this year with Team USA. And it's like, that's, that's what I wanted. And so basically what I want is like an extension of that mm-hmm. is that I want, I want to be the softball player that made people think, like, I want these young girls to know that they can do it. And I want them to know that they can do it with grace, that you can be competitive and kind 
I don't know. There's just so many things about the, the way that I play that I hope if you're really paying attention that you see those things. I don't think people have to really pay that much attention to like <laughs> know that because that's one of the, the things that I think just even like Sue saying this about you, about like how you need to be known. It's like because of those things, because of that legacy that you're wishing to live out and you're already doing like those little girls that you talked to that one day, like they're, they still remember that, that <laughs> moment vividly. Like I just, I, I just know that. So you have been a powerful, incredible, inspiring human being that, you know, I got lucky to, to get to know a little bit more today on the <laughs> podcast. And I can't wait to continue this relationship with you and, and, and learn your story. But this was such a fun conversation that I was like, let's just let it go. You know, it's been too I know. Keep it rolling. It was so good. But man, those are pe- the people that stuck through this entire podcast. Like <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> let's go. Like they are, they are awesome. They deserve a shout out right now, but yes. um, I can't wait to continue to do this again at some point in time with you. This has been so much fun. Thanks girl. Thank you. loving Aubrey and all the things she's up to, please go to the show notes and click on all the ways that you can get connected with her. She said her mission right now is to help catchers feel and become the best versions of themselves, which I'm totally in line with. All of you catchers out there, you have a tough position. Aubrey definitely showed that to me today. So without further ado, this is the episode this week, but do not leave here without please subscribing to the podcast and maybe leave a review. If you felt really impacted by this episode with Aubrey, I'd love to know it in the comments. So shoot me a message either in a DM on Instagram or inside the Facebook community, ABT community. I would love to hear what you guys thought of Aubrey so I can learn what it is that you guys love to listen to so I can create more episodes and get great guests like Aubrey here all the time. So this is all I got this week. I'm excited for you guys to see what's gonna be on the pod next week. But until then, I'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye for now.